This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a closer look at whether North Carolina lawmakers should raise their own salaries. For the News and Observer, I'm Lucille Sherman, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. It's Sunday, September 12th. North Carolina lawmakers make less than $14,000 a year. It's one of the lowest pay rates of any state legislature in the country. But a study has shown voters actually think lawmakers make $125,000 a year. That's much more than 14000 Our guest today is Chris Cooper, the author of that study and a political science professor at Western Carolina University, to talk with us about what it would mean if lawmakers did raise their own pay. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. So how did we get to this 14,000 number in the first place? Where did it come from? So believe it or not, uh, that was after a few increases. So it used to be even lower than 13,951. If you go back and and read the old newspapers, you you get your old news and observers um, online or you go to the archives, you'll see that this is an old discussion in North Carolina, that even in the 1940s, People were having conversations about maybe we should increase the salary. You can see this come up every few years, and it's inched up a couple of times. But again, we're at 13,951. We're nowhere near what anybody would call, frankly, even a minimum wage for the amount of work that they're doing. So lawmakers also receive a monthly payment to cover expenses and a per diem, of which $70 in theory goes to housing and 34 goes to food, $104 total. That doesn't seem like a lot. Where did that number come from? Especially since, you know, $70 a night isn't really enough to cover a decent hotel in Raleigh. Yeah, no, it'd be very difficult to find, um, I try to find decent hotels in Raleigh a pretty good bid. And I've never been able to find one for that price, especially not if I'm going to get a decent meal also. Maybe I should tone down which where I want to go for dinner and, you know, go to Brewery Bavana less often. But um, but it's No, <laughs> never go to Brewery Bavana less often. That's the place. That's ex- Yes, it is. Um, so, you know, I think we've arrived there over time. It, again, has not kept pace with what it really costs to live. And I think we also need to consider this feels very different if you live in different parts of the state. So if you, you know, if you're from Wake County and you can run home and and grab a sandwich um, and then head back to the legislature, or if you can sleep in your own bed at night, it's going to feel very different both financially as well as obviously from a mental health perspective than if you're somebody like Kevin Corbin, who has to drive in from Macon County from Franklin, North Carolina, about five hours away before he gets to the Capitol. So we're kind of painting with this very broad brush, all these legislators, but they're from very, very different parts of the state. And it takes some of them, frankly, just a lot longer to get home than others. Gotcha. And can you tell me a little bit more about the study you authored? So, yeah, I did a survey. Um, I'm a political scientist. That's what we do, right? We survey people. So I surveyed people in four different states. And in North Carolina, the average respondent thought that North Carolina lawmakers made $125,000 a year. Now, of course, in reality, they make 
$13,951 a year. So $125,000 is a long ways from $13,951. Do you know why people think they make so much more? You know, I think part of it is this nationalization of all politics, right? And so, um, uh, you know, apart from great outlets like the News and Observer and some of these others we have in North Carolina, a lot of uh, news outlets tend to focus on national politics, right? They focus on members of Congress. They talk about the president. They talk about the vice president. And so I think that most voters kind of think it all works the same, that their state legislators must be compensated at about the same level as their members of Congress. Of course, as we know, the reality is radically different. And then to make it even more confusing, every state's different. So in North Carolina, we, of course, have a lot of people who were not born here, who moved here more recently. So they might have come from a state like California, where they do make about $100,000 a year, or they might have come here from a state like New Hampshire, where they make a whopping $100 per year. So it is all over the map. It's hard to keep track of. And I think your average citizen just doesn't really clue into these differences. One thing that I think is a factor in this discussion is that lawmakers serve a two-year term. First year is what's known as the long session, and the second year is the short session. That's correct, right? So the, yeah, the idea is that the long session, of course, is the, um, the year that we do the budget and that the short session is the year we don't. One of the really interesting things is there's no rule that actually says that the long session has to be longer than the short session does. As a matter of fact, there was one example a few years ago where the long session was shorter than the short session. So if you're confused yet, you should be. Yeah, and this year's session in 2021 is a particularly strange session and has stretched pretty long. That feels like a factor or an illustration of why this conversation is even more important. Can you tell me about this year's session? Yeah, I mean, look, they've been in session off and on now um, since, you know, just after the beginning of the year. So they've been at this since, you know, sometime in the winter. Um, We don't know exactly where they're going to stop. We still don't have a state budget. Obviously, we have this very small matter of uh, drawing entirely new district lines for our General Assembly and Congress. And there's still, you know, maybe this idea of Medicaid expansion somehow possibly maybe floating out there. So there's still a lot of work to be done is the point I'm trying to make. So, yes, look, in the early 1900s, this model made sense. We had the citizen legislator, uh, excuse me, citizen legislature. These folks would work a regular job. Maybe they'd work on their farm. They'd head to Raleigh. They'd pass some policies and they'd get back home. They'd spend time with the people. So the idea, the impetus behind it was better government and better representation. What's happened though is that the reach of government for good or ill has expanded. The job of being a legislator has expanded and the amount of expertise that they're required to have has also expanded, but the resources they have just haven't really come along with the job getting more difficult. Yeah, how do you think this pay situation affects what our General Assembly looks like and how they reflect the population of the state? I think it affects us in a lot of ways. And we'll talk about one really good study that's perhaps an, um, a counterpoint. But in general, you know, I think it means that we're going to get people who run for office who can't afford to run for office, who don't need the 13951 a year. Why would you run you know, for 13951 a year? So these tend to be people who are maybe retired, and we certainly see some of those in the General Assembly, um, or people who have very, very flexible jobs. You see a lot of 
realtors. Um, you see a fair number of lawyers. You see people who tend to own their own businesses, but not the kind of mom and pop shop where they have to be there every day. So I think it does select a different kind of legislator. Um, there is a, a really good study that uh, came out um, of Duke by a political scientist there named Nick Carnes, and he did show uh, that in legislator, legislatures that pay more, you don't necessarily get more blue collar representation. So it's not a cure all to raise salary. It's not that we're going to raise salary and all of a sudden, gee, everybody's blue collar and we perfectly represent America. Um, but I would argue that it can move the needle and it can particularly move the needle as we get farther from the state capital. So again, this distance idea. Um, there's also some evidence about uh, when you raise pay and you increase resources in general, it can actually reduce the power of lobbyists a little bit um, because the legislators have more time and have more expertise on their side. There's also some potential gender effects that can take place. So you can imagine given the sort of gendered roles we have in our society in general, in terms of family, a woman who's trying to commute from, say, Macon County or some one of the far-flung parts of the state into Raleigh, that 13951 may sit pretty differently with them than it would, again, somebody who lives in Wake County or Orange County or somewhere that's a lot easier to commute. You also told me recently that in some ways increasing pay in the legislature could decrease corruption. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So there was one study uh, done by um, somebody at Harvard, and what they found was that in states that pay their lawmakers more, there is there are less um, confirmed cases, fewer confirmed cases of corruption. So the idea is that if you pay people less money, they might try to find another way to get some money. <laughs> um, whereas if you pay people a living wage, they might be less likely to cut those kinds of corners and to engage in acts of corruption. So I think the same principles we think apply to the private sector also apply to the public sector. I think if we talk and we should about um, how what we pay, say a teacher, or a police officer, or a firefighter reflects our values and what we think is important and where we want them to spend our time. Uh, I think the same thing applies for public officials. Just because they're running for office doesn't mean that they are immune for, from the good and the bad of humanity. So we've talked about a couple reasons why increasing pay might be a good thing for lawmakers, for constituents, for the state. Why hasn't it already happened? Why haven't lawmakers voted to increase their own pay? Yeah, you know, I think fairly or unfairly, they believe that it's political suicide. Um, they, you know, it's not something that briefs well. You have to understand what the salary structure is. And I think you also have to, have to take a step back and think about why it matters. It might even brief well. So you say, hey, they make $13,951. Well, good. It keeps them closer to the people. It takes a little bit of thought. It takes a little bit of time before you, one, know how much they make and two, think through how that might select for a different kind of legislator. And I think a lot of lawmakers feel correctly that if they were to propose a legislative increase, that uh, their opponent is going to use that against them in the next election, whether a Democrat or Republican, it wouldn't really matter. Um, it would just kind of set them up like a like a pitch right down the middle of the plate, right? Like a, like a high hanging ball that your opponent might be able to hit going into the next election. So I think they don't do it because they think it won't be popular. 
Um, my argument is that at least educating people can help. And I did find that in my study. So I took you know this sample and I split them into half. And for half the sample, I gave them the real number, the 13,951. And for the other half, I just let them hold to their disbelief and their incorrect belief, excuse me. And what I found was the people who had their opinions corrected were more likely to think that we should increase the salary of legislators. So education, it's a good news for me, somebody in the education business, education may actually pay some dividends in moving the policy needle at least a little bit. Is there anything you think voters should be thinking about or voters should know about legislative salaries that we haven't already talked about? You know, I think that it, that it varies a lot um, and that every state has a slightly different salary structure. Of course, there's also some benefits we haven't talked about in terms of retirement um, that do matter and probably incentivize some people to run for office. But this is one of the really cool things about states being laboratories of democracy. You know, unlike Congress, where we hold at the same salary, everybody makes about the same. We can actually look and say, what are the effects if we pay somebody $100 a year? We pay them $100,000 a year. We pay them $13,951 a year. Um, and so I think we can tease out the answer to a lot of these questions we have about representation in American politics by looking a little bit more to the state level and maybe a little bit less towards the swamp of Washington, D.C. Right. Of course, we only have a limited amount of money that we can spend yearly, and lawmakers would have to figure out how to budget money for a salary increase for themselves. And that might mean less of a teacher pay increase or less money for particular programs, which I think is also a factor in this. Absolutely. Chris, thanks so much for your time and helping me explore this topic today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.